The Full 60 is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Did you know NHL ticket prices tend to drop right before the game starts? GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, then shows you all the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the GameTime app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. I also love that you can also get concert tickets on Game Time and something I will be doing because Wilco is coming to Ann Arbor in November and I'm really excited about this. Um, I want to talk to Austin Miku covers the Michigan Wolverines who's also a Wilco fan. Maybe we'll do like a staff get together and we will be using Game Time to purchase those tickets. I can assure you. Game Time is simple, it's quick, it's easy to navigate. There's a two-tap checkout. So you just you get your get your event, get your tickets, and you get out of there. I, I just I love this app. So head to the App Store or Play Store now to download Game Time and score awesome deals on last minute tickets. Welcome to the Full 60 featuring Craig Custance and presented by The Athletic. Each week, we'll dive into the biggest stories in hockey while bringing in unique voices to entertain and explain all aspects of the game. Hey, this is Craig and welcome to this week's episode of the Full 60. This week's guest is Anaheim Ducks head coach Dallas Aikens. And Dallas is one of those guys who, he's not hes not a guy who I know particularly well or who, who I've crossed paths with a ton um, during his time in the NHL, but he's one of those guys who, when I have, let's say, you know, he was on a panel at Sloan or at a coaching conference, he, he once did this great presentation with Andrew Ference about hockey culture, or even just in a press conference or a scrum where, where you're chatting with him, it, it's ends up always being really fascinating and it's always been in the back of my mind I'm like man he would be a really good guest on this because he doesn't speak in sound bites he's a guy that is really good at articulating what's going on why he does what he does um, areas he looks to improve and and sometimes that's unique like we talked a little bit about his uh, interest in the military and how he has gotten to know people in that world and try to adapt some of that into hockey culture I, and as you know, I love that stuff. So I was really excited when we were able to line up uh, a proper time to do this interview. Got Dallas on the phone when I was in Pittsburgh in my hotel room, and he definitely didn't disappoint. This was a great conversation. I covered a ton of ground. Um, it was insightful, at times even for, like for me emotional uh, at the end. And just really good, really good conversation. So I'm excited about that. So let's dive right in. The Full 60 with Anaheim Ducks head coach Dallas Akins. Well, Dallas. First of all, thanks for doing this. I know, I know it's it's a crazy early schedule, and you guys have been traveling a lot, so I appreciate it. No, thanks for having me. And you're right the uh, the 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 68 game schedule in the American Hockey League in one division is uh, far different from this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No three games and three nights though. So you got that going for you. There you go. Um, so. I've wanted to have you on here since I saw, and I'm trying to figure out where it was. It might have been the coaches' um, convention that they do at the draft every year. You did a presentation uh, on on culture, and it was with Andrew Ference, and it was fantastic. And because I think culture is one of those things that you is thrown around so often, and I've even seen, you know, in researching for this, I, you know, I've seen you kind of refer to it a lot in, in kind of the time it takes to, to develop it and, and all of that. And I wanted to really start there because you're now, you're now kind of initiating that in real time with the Ducks on a kind of young transitioning team. And I'm really curious to see, to hear what your approach has been since getting that job. Like, how do you, how do you instill something on a team that's transitioning like that? Well, you're, you're right. That, that culture word is, Man, it it might be the hardest thing to define. Like not yeah. only for a hockey team, but for a an organization, a a, a business, man, even your family. Like your family right. has a certain culture, right? Like it's it, and it's it's something that is very hard to define. Um, and it and it's often hard to even explain to people what a good one feels like and. And, uh, so yeah, it, it's a difficult thing to, to, to pen down and, but it's like, for me, uh, 
any great organization, whether they're uh, great in the, the business field or if it's uh, a pro sports team, uh, if it's the military, whatever it is, uh, mm-hmm. the, the, the organizations, the groups of people, the families that, that have great cultures are, are usually very successful. They're very happy. Uh, they're very productive. Um, and they're, they're uh, rarely selling anything. So the, the, the first thing for me on, on culture is that, uh, and it's something that you learn, hey, you, you learn these, the, these things over time, is that I, I, I don't um, subscribe to the whole, hey, I'm going to sell you this and you right. need to buy in. Um, I, I think the, the great cultures are, there's someone or a group of people and they have been infected with a very positive disease. Mm-hmm. Um, and they are infecting everyone around them so that they don't even have a, they don't really have a choice, Craig. Like it's, Hey, uh, are you getting buy-in? Well, no, we, we don't need buy-in because we've infected them all. And, right. Right. uh, and, and that just doesn't come from one person. So like what, what, I thought was important coming in here was I, I don't want this to uh, be uh, my culture. And I think that's a really dangerous thing to, uh, to do. Uh, it doesn't work. Um, I, I started at the top. Uh, I, I talked to my boss about when things were great here, uh, when the, the, the team was very good and in a very positive place. Uh, I talked to some staff members and most importantly, I, I talked to the players and uh, obviously took, uh, you know, taking down lots of notes. I, I talked to some of the guys' wives, um, got a lot of information there. And That's smart. So, That's a good so, source of uh, culture. Yeah, so, That's, yeah. uh, unbelievable. It, yeah. and, and they are, I, I tell you, our, our guys' uh, spouses, they're, they're the smartest ones in the room. And, and they're the, uh, the most honest ones in the room. Yeah. Uh, because I'm not controlling their ice time or anything. It's they're, they're just going to lay it on you. So, so what, what we, what we're trying to do here and, and man, we're not there yet. It's going to, this will take a, a long time, but the, the great thing that's, that that's happened is, is that this isn't, uh, uh, I keep getting questions about like, what have you done there with the culture? Like you, and, and it's, yeah. well, I, I've done very little. I, all of these, this group of people here talking to them individually w- kept saying kind of the same things over and over. There, there were certain, um, attributes that they, they, they wanted, they were begging for, they wanted re uh, reinstalled in, into their everyday life. And so it, it's very little to, to do with me. It, it's everything that they wanted. And, um, the only change is we've kind of defined it. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're, and we're trying to hold everyone accountable, like including me, including our athletic therapists, our strength coaches, our nutritionist, our massage therapist, our players, right through our organization. And, and it's been a fun process and, and it's one that'll n- never, ever end. We, we do want to get it to that whole, Hey, you come into our dressing room, you, you don't have a choice. It's just like, well, you got the disease. Sorry yeah. about that. You're infected with our culture. <laughs> so what we're, and I know some of it's going to stay behind closed doors, but when you're talking to, you know, Bob Murray or Ryan Getzlaff about, you know, the things that they want to see, were, were there some common themes? Well, yeah. And uh, uh, <clears throat> a lot of it had to do with, just that kind of that, that feeling of like, what did that feel like and what was going Mm -hmm. on when when it was good and what, what was going on when you were, when you were winning and, you know, not to go in too deep of it, but it was, you know, there was a lot of, you know, really expecting uh, the, the best uh, out of each other every day, not, Hey, come in and, uh, to try to be your best or like, no, it was like, I expect you to be your best. And, and, and the, the only thing I brought up with that was, I, I think it's really hard for, you know, if Craig, if you and I are coming into work every day, well, I'm going to expect your best. Well, I, I can't even do that until I expect the best for myself. And yeah, so we, we kind of started there and, 
and, and then it uh, you know it morphed into a, a number of different things from you know being very very uh, you know humble uh, when when we when we do get wins when we do have success we we're not searching for accolades it's not hey look at me uh, mm-hmm. I had a great game it's it's more of a humble we approach. Um, another thing that came up was that constant, like we, we don't want to just, Hey, we're doing great here. And, and this is how we've always done things. There, there's a real hunger, uh, for getting better. There was real hunger, uh, like to, to compete, uh, not only in the games, but in practice, but in the, in the weight room, like, uh, on a ping pong table, like oh, whatever yeah. it is, like there, there was that real hunger. Um, and, and the last thing is, uh, with, uh, that comes to mind is that that level of not only do we want to play hard, but you're going to have to do hard things in this division and right. our division travels like crazy. It is relentless, but rather than using it as an excuse, uh, like we want to take pride and yeah, we, we do hard things here and whether yeah. it's our, our travel or our practices, our compete level, like we're, we're going to do hard things, but we're going to embrace it rather than, um, uh, you know, complain about it. So they, they really wanted the mindset of, Hey, this, this is challenging. This is hard. Well, good. Bring it. Yeah. And so we, that's kind of where we're at without going super deep into it. Yeah. Um, but, but it's been fun, uh, because it, it's, it, it's ours and, um, it, it's been fun to watch, all the different factions, the groups from the, our therapist to our coaches, to our players, all interacting and, and, and really talk in the same language. I, I wonder if you, you said you get asked, you know, the culture question a bit. And I wonder if part of the reason for that is, is like, I think publicly you, you were very honest about kind of where it went sideways in Edmonton and it was a rush to kind of implement the way you wanted things to, to look like, you know what I mean? And and so, you know, that's that's what piqued my curiosity. Like, well, what what is going on differently here? And but on the on the flip side, I would be curious. Like, when you try to rush that and rush implementing these kind of things, what does that look like? Like, how does uh, what did that look like when it was going too fast? Or you were just being I don't know if too confrontational is the right word, but trying to change too much at once. Yeah, it was that. And, and so here, here's what the big difference is: is that. And, and and you're probably right. That's probably why I'm getting the the <laughs> the questions. Right? It's like, man, that was a dumpster fire. This seems right. to be going okay right, right now. Like, yeah, yeah. What's you know, the what, difference? What what the hell's going on? And, right. But but there's a massive difference on this. Like, and the difference is is that when uh, uh, on that previous job, it was when I showed up, it was me, and it was them. Mm. I didn't know anybody in the organization. I hadn't coached uh, off the top of my head. I can't remember. I don't think I'd coached any of the players before. So uh, I was walking into a totally different culture, and that is a very, very deep one. Like it's it's amazing when you go into organizations, and and once you get in it, it's like, oh, okay. Like there, there's a culture here, and mm-hmm. so it it that's how that first one was it. I didn't know anybody. And, and so it was certainly a, a, a me and them to, to start. And, yeah. and, and here, like I've coached John Gibson, I've coached, uh, Nick Ritchie, uh, Andre Kasha. Uh, I I've coached a lot of these players. I've been at four training camps, uh, mm-hmm. with all of these players. I, I got to know Ryan Getzlaff a, a tiny bit. It wasn't like I was talking to him a whole lot during training camps. I wasn't his coach, and I was just trying to stay out of the way the best I could. I've known my boss for four years. I've known Dave Nonis, who who's the assistant GM for forever. Uh, yeah. So there, there's a really like just coming in here. Even though I'm new in this position, this was we already, and. Sure. The, the, I was very familiar with the players, uh, with their personalities, and I, I thought I knew what they probably uh, wanted uh, uh, within the organization on how they wanted this to feel and go about it. 
Um, but hey, I wasn't sure. Some of these guys I hadn't really interacted with in a, on, a, on a real personal level like you do coming in together every day for a few years. And so it was one of a, a real mutual respect. And, and there was such a, a background of relationship and knowing each other, right? Like I said, from my from my boss, uh, uh, right through the staff to the players. And, and on the previous job there, it was, Hey, I came in, I had real strong feelings. Uh, I saw certain things that were, you know, going on. I didn't believe in it. And I was like, you know what, screw it. You guys are going to do it my way. And that's it. (laughs) And and it was confrontational and like, Hey, there, there were, there's people there that, uh, I was extremely hard on that first year. Uh, Taylor Hall was, was one of them and mm-hmm. I did everything I could to repair that relationship. And, and, uh, I thought we did a great job of that. And there was others there that, that I wasn't hard enough on. And, yeah. and, and so, Hey, it, it's that whole man, like I, I'm a big believer in the adversity is a great gift. It sucks like crazy when you're in it. Yeah. But when you come out of it, man, you're like, I, I'm so grateful for my time there. It, it's yeah. such a blessing that, uh, that, uh, I, I went there and, and, and I learned so many great lessons. I, I, I wish for the fans, it would have been way better, but Hey, it, it's brought me to, 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 to hear. And, and now I, I feel so fortunate and so privileged and, and humbled that, I've been able to work in this organization for years and, 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 and continue to work in work, work in it now. Um, right. Like that's, you mentioned, uh, like I've seen a quote from you and it's along those lines. It's not a, a failure. It's just a lesson. And I, I love that approach. And, and when you mentioned Taylor, like I would love to be able to tell this story of that lesson through that lens. So when you say you were hard on Taylor, like, what did that look like? Yeah, it was, it was, Hey, uh, I, I was way too hard. I was too confrontational and, mm-hmm. and, and, uh, he, he was, he, he wasn't at an experience level on probably how to handle it either. Yeah. Uh, I think it would have been a much better thing if he would have been 27 or, or maybe where his age is now. Like he is a, you know what, Taylor's a wonderful kid. And he's as competitive as a kid, as I know, he's an unbelievable player. Um, and, and, uh, man, he, he taught me a lot of, uh, great lessons and, you know, it's, uh, that was my mistake, uh, there I own it and, and Hey, you, you fail forward, man. Like you, you're going to, we're all going to make mistakes along the way. And, and the worst thing you can do is pack up the, you know, fold the tent and call it a day. It's so, all right, you, you learn from it and you keep moving forward. And I, I just think that it's a, and it doesn't take a great failure like that. I think even teams that win championships or, or, or businesses that are just knocking it out of the park with their earnings and stuff, like they're making mistakes along the way. You just don't maybe see them. Yeah. And they're learning from them every day too. And yeah. I, I, I just believe that's the best approach. Right. Like it's, it's, if you can learn during successes, like that's, I mean, I guess that's the ideal, right? Maybe it's not as fruitful for it, but. Well, yeah, because the, and that's the most challenge. It's, it's easy to learn when you get a real, you know, boot in the butt. And yeah. You're, it, it looks really bad. But when things are going well and you're winning and you can see things that, Hey, that you can do better. Like the, the, the thing that often happens is, well, Hey, don't change anything. We're winning right now. Or Hey, don't right. change anything. We, we, we just won. And that's usually the best time to keep moving the goalposts out a little bit. And, uh, yeah. And that's that real hunger, that, that growth mindset, right? Like the, uh, yeah, it, it, it's an interesting journey for for sure. So one of the things you you mentioned was you know the, the you saw hunger to get out of the this is we've, how we've always done things kind of mentality, and I think hockey is can at times be really infected with that, and probably it's got it's come a long way since when you were playing or whatever. But um, you know, and I, and I think it's probably easier when things are when you're struggling to get out of that. But like, how do you advance a team? 
that maybe, you know, like you talked to a Ryan Getzlaff, he's had a ton of success, right? Like this is a guy who's a gold medal winner and a Stanley Cup winner. And like, what are those conversations with him where it's like, okay, you've had success doing it this way, but we need to be kind of progressive to keep moving forward. Well, they they were actually really simple. Like, you know, when you, when you take Getzy, like, man, that, that guy's, he's an incredible person. Like I've always yeah. been quietly a fan of his, uh, even yeah. before I got to this organization. Um, but now to, to see him, like he's a, the guy's an unbelievable father, just a great husband, incredible family guy. And, and like, he, he's so sharp. There's not one thing that goes on in a day that like he's not detailed on. He, he's incredibly organized with the players. Like he's a, uh, a a good leader, not only to the veteran guys, but our our younger guys as well. And and but when they when I talked to him, like he was he's already on it. Like he understands that hey, we we have to move forward here with, with our game, and and we we've got to be open to these new concepts. And and so he was already there and, yeah. and it was there, there's, there was no, Hey Ryan, Hey, get ready here. But uh, <laughs> we're, we're, we're not going to do this anymore. He, he was already uh, ahead of it. And, and that's those, those players like Ryan, like it's amazing how intelligent they are. And, yeah. and it's the, uh, as a coach with those guys, uh, I think it's better to, to say less and listen more. Um, because uh, that I always believe those, the, the, the thing I know for sure right now is that the, the guys that go in there and they're doing up their skates, uh, right after warmups over, uh, they're the smartest guys in the room and right. it, it, it's important to listen to them. So that I, I wish I had a better story about how I had to yeah. reason with them, but <laughs> no, no, was, I'm just curious. He, yeah. he, he was already there and that, that was what was really inspiring about all those meetings was man, these guys were on it and they, they, they just got into a rut that, uh, I think a lot of them had never been through before. They weren't sure how to maybe handle the situation, uh, last year. It was great because right almost to a man, they, they all, uh, owned it. They took certain responsibilities, which is the most important thing to me. It wasn't like, well, it was this guy or was that guy or was that or that, like, it was like, no, it was me. And right which was really encouraging. And when I came out of there, I'm like, Hey, I, I thought I know that I knew the group pretty well, but I was encouraged by, I'm like, Hey, I, I think we got good people and, yeah. and, and better people always make a better organization. Um, regardless before we even step on the ice and yeah. that that's, what's been really inspiring to me is to, to watch these guys, you know, work together off the ice uh, enjoy each other off the ice, work together in practice, and and stay in the fight in the games. Was there an example of something? I love the I love that you kind of tapped into the wisdom of the wives. Was there something that you implemented or that you kind of carried over from those conversations? Well, there there's a number of them, and and, and some of them are really like very very simple. But the you know I I remember. <clears throat> The, one of them brought up the most curious thing. We like we've got some really cool team events here that we do. I I haven't been through them yet, but there yeah there's a couple events that are a, a lot of fun. They 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 raise uh, some good money for charity and and, uh, and and they're awesome. And what one of the spouses brought up, she was like, they're they're so they're so great those events. And and what comes out of those events is more of us being together. Like we have so much fun at those events and then it's, Hey, let's get together for dinner. Let's get the kids together or, you know, whatever that is. And yeah. she goes, here's the thing. She goes, they don't happen until near the end of the season. And so she goes, what comes out of those events is us being together. But leading up to that, we're kind of splintered. And like her, her thing was, we, we need to get together and do more things. And that doesn't mean going and, sitting and eating dinner although breaking bread is it's what we do as families it's what generations of people have done to learn more about each other and share and and love each other um but it was like why why can't we get this going right off the bat like why can't we interact with each other get to know each other and and it it was interesting talking like we, we there there were groups of people here who 
uh, not with the players, but there, there were certain staff members who didn't know certain wives, like things like that. And, and so we've made a real conscious effort of, Hey, uh, uh our people here at the rink are, are important, like our players and, and, and things, but our, our people at home are equally important. And what yeah. we put, we we're trying to put a little more focus on our whole team and our whole team includes our spouses and our, and our kids. Yeah. One of the things when you came to Detroit, you were mentioning, and I know like you, there's probably some reticence because you don't like the, you don't want to compare sports to the battlefield. Right. But you're, you are a guy that likes to, to tap into what, what businesses or military, what, what's the biggest thing you've learned from kind of that, those kind of experiments or that, that experience? Yeah, I, I love going, man, and, and, and I encourage everybody to do it. Like anywhere that you think that you can learn something or see something different. And sometimes you learn how to do it better. And other times you look at it and go, man, I'm never doing that. Like, yeah, that doesn't look very good. <laughs> right. But the, you know, I'll take the military, for instance. Like the, the greatest thing that I, I, I love about the military or, you know, like the police force or, you know, uh, the fire departments, anything like that is, you know, we use, so take the military, they use the words commitment and discipline and honor all the time. Right. Yeah. We use the same words, right. but I'll tell you what, I'm almost embarrassed to say those words when I see what they really mean in the military. And I always love uh, again, I, I think the military being around those men and women, it is, uh, it's not a rub off on you. I, I believe it's an infectious thing. And I always love, uh, as a group being around, the, uh, uh, the, those unbelievable people because they redefine what those words mean. And they certainly redefine what hard means. Right. And, it's amazing. Like, oh man, our plane, like, you know, it was great. Our, our first trip of the season got there. We had a maintenance issue. We sat on the tarmac, I think for three hours and we had already had a little rub off, uh, some uh, infectious work with, uh, some of the military. You know, it was great. Not one of our guys said a word. It was just like, yeah. good, good. We're right, three hours right. late. Good. And I, I just love that it really redefines and makes us think a little bit more of, oh my God, are planes late? Like, are we really going to complain about this? Like, it, it's, <laughs> right. it, it's amazing um, how soft and spoiled you can become, uh, even though you're trying to do hard things. And just that inspiration and that redefinition of, you know, discipline and commitment and hard work and uh, I, I think it's a, a very humbling experience and, and uh, you know, I think just something that makes us all better people. So if your life is anything like mine, it's pretty chaotic. Like right now we've got three kids, um, sports. My youngest is in learn to skate. I've got my middle child is in violin. My oldest is, I can't believe baseball starting, but it is because I guess it's October and we have to train year round. Like we we're just running around constantly. So my wife and I are constantly looking for ways to cut out five minutes. And one of the best ways to do that is with DoorDash. DoorDash connects you to your favorite restaurants in your city. So for me, I live in Macomb County in suburban Detroit, and there's a ton of great Middle Eastern restaurants around me. That's that's my like go-to meal. And so when I go to DoorDash, I look at one of my favorite restaurants, Fatouche Lebanese Grill. It's got a 4.7 star ratings. You can get some, oh, you can get a Fatouche salad or maybe some hummus and veggies. Just something like that's my go-to move right there. Fatouche Lebanese Grill, a little plug for them because I love good Middle Eastern food. DoorDash has a ton of options. With door-to-door -door delivery in all 50 states and Canada, order from your local go-tos or choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, Chick-fil-A, and the Cheesecake Factory. So right now, our listeners can get $5 off their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter the promo code FULL60. That's $5 off your first order when you download the DoorDash app from the App Store and enter the promo code Full 60. So give yourself a break. Get, get a nice meal delivered to your house. Um, save $5. Don't forget, that's promo code FULL60 for $5 off 
your first order from DoorDash. So, and you can correct me if any of this isn't true because it's from the internet, but I, I read that you... Went well, to, if it's on the internet, it must be true. Yeah, it must be true, right. right. I read that you went to a Nielsen camp at 12 years old. So this is, this is you sound like a lifelong learner, right? Is that, was that a true story? What was, and what motivated you to, to, to do that at that age? Well, that, it was, that was actually Rogers Hockey School. So oh, okay. I was, yeah, just, yeah, yeah. I, I, I was a, a kid at his hockey school uh, at, uh, it was at Trinity uh, College there in, uh, in Port Hope, Ontario. Okay. And it was one of those overnight things where you'd stay all week. It was awesome. And so I was a camper there first, but then I got to know uh, Raj over the, over the years. Uh, he became a, a great friend. He became a, a mentor, a father figure. I ended up being, I went from being a camper there to a, uh, to a counselor. And then I was a, mm-hmm. you know, an on-ice instructor and then, uh, you know, I, I think I did almost every job there, there, there was there, but, uh, yeah, th- those are great years, man. Like there was so much fun at those camps and, and all that time with Raj and the, the relationships that were, were built there were, were incredible. What do you, what did you learn from him, especially at that age? Like at such formative years. Uh, two, two things. Number one, like that, that man was just absolutely dedicated to his players. Like it was mm-hmm. uh, a- incredible. And he was dedicated to his friends and, and, and all of us, like in the summers, like you, if you pop by Raj house, there'd be like 12, 14 guys there all the time. Guys yeah. working at the hockey school. He opened up his doors to his home. No, believe me, he'd put us to work too. Like if, if I ever had to cut another VHS tape of cutting power plays and all that, like I just like, it, like we, we were cutting video when we were like 14 years old. Like it was uh, hilarious. So, but it, his dedication to his players and his friends and, you know, the, just the way he treated people, everyone, like, uh, I think the best way to put it is when, uh, when I showed up at his funeral and I'll never forget this. Like I, I was Raj's best friend for mm-hmm. sure. And when I showed up <laughs> at his funeral, I realized that there was about 2000 people there that they all thought the same thing that I did. Right. No, right. They, they were Raj's best friend. That was Raj's yeah. best friend. That lady over there was Raj. like, it, it was amazing. And I was like, what a, what a positive effect an influence he had on so many people. And then the other thing was Raj is that his dedication and his work ethic to the game was incredible. Like Mm -hmm. it never stopped him trying to find a different way to win, a different way to get better, or maybe most importantly, a different way to bend the rules. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Right. But a guy who was willing to try different things, which, which even, especially in that era, like that's, you know, I think that takes some, some guts. Oh yeah, and all, all the rule changes because he had found a loophole in the rule book. Like those <laughs> those stories are awesome, right? Like putting a defenseman in net for a penalty shot, and uh, right. when you pulled the goalie, he'd have the goalie leave his stick flat along the crease uh, in the net when he'd come out, and uh, he'd be down uh, two men late in the game, and uh, let's say there's a whatever, 45 seconds left to go in the game, and he, he's down two men. As soon as he dropped the puck, he just sent two guys over the boards. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like, right. okay, well, you're going to put me down two men again? That's fine. Like, But right. all, all these things, he was always finding a loophole to ex- expose the game. And it, and it was for one thing. It wasn't to be a, a pain in the butt or a clown. It, it was to win. Right. And so, I, like, I see – some of that with you, like you're, you've, you've always been somebody who's at least from the outside appears to be open-minded to new information or analytics or whatever it is. Is so it, do you have an example of trying something where it was like, okay, the analytics suggests this, I'm going to, I'm going to do this. Like we're going to, we're going to try to have a competitive advantage because we are willing to try something different. Yeah. And this goes way back to like, you like, uh, and it was, uh, my, my, my good friend there, Kay Whitmore, sent me this paper. I can't remember who had uh, written the paper, but it was that uh, the, the study on when, when coaches were pulling their goalies. Yep. And, and it was interesting. So, like, with the Marlies, I was like, oh, you know what, screw it. We're going 
we're going to start taking our goalie early. And and people literally thought, you know, that we were crazy. And, <laughs> right. but it's like, you, you, I think you just got to open your mind to it. And it's like, Hey, if that makes sense to you, then have at it. And now like the great thing about that American league is man, that it's a fun place to coach. Cause you can try things like right. you, you can try all kinds of different things and, and see if they work or if they not. And it's amazing that whole goaling pulling thing, like that that's become second nature now, right? Like it's, Hey, get them out early. The, yeah. the numbers back it up. And, and it's not like, I don't trust numbers on a night to night basis, but when you've got like eight years of data and it all points to one direction, I just don't understand how you can't consider it. doesn't mean maybe you're not like, you can always say, Hey, that still doesn't make sense to me, but, uh, how anyone would not consider that. I, I just don't understand it because it could be right. And if, you're not going to consider it all, then you'll, you'll never have a chance to get better. Right. I just think, I think by nature, hockey coaches tend to be conservative because your job is on the line, right? So if you're going to be the first guy in the NHL that pulls his goalie with 12 minutes left, because you believe that's to be the statistical advantage and it doesn't work, you now you put a target on your back. Yeah, there's something to it, and I can't. There's some, some coach that actually said that. I can't remember who said it either. Oh, really? Was, Maybe uh, I'm just regurgitating it, it, it things I've read at this point. The, hey, I, I love that idea, but I'm not going to yeah. be first one to do it. Right. What? Which and, is? But hey, yeah. But what? Like for me, I'm like, I don't know. I, I, I I'm just like, what, what, whatever, man. Like we're, we're trying to win hockey games. That's it. Like. There, there's not one coach, and I don't care if he's the coach of a, uh, a Stanley Cup winning team or a championship team or if he's on a team that's struggling. You know what they're trying to do? They're trying to do the best to make their players better, and they're trying to win the game. Right. And it is, man, like, listen, like, whatever it was now, five nights ago, I can't remember. My days are so mixed up right now. But <laughs> I went over to the boss. I, I I like watching Boston play. I think they have an yeah. excellent team. We were in town early. We went to the game, you know, way up upstairs. I, I went for two periods. And you, you find yourself up there, man, why, why are they doing that? Why are they doing that? And it's just like, mm-hmm. just be quiet, man. Like, they're, they're doing the best <laughs> to win the game. And you, you right. sit up there or you're watching on TV or you can rewind a player like we do with video. Boy, that game's really easy when you're sitting up high or you're rewinding <laughs> it three for times sure. or – yeah. You, you pick something apart. Uh, but in the end, those players are just trying to do their best. The coaches are doing their best. And, and I think it's great when you try something new, whether whether it works or whether it doesn't, because it, it, it shows that, hey, we're just trying to win and we're going right. to try new things sometimes. So what it like, we're, just out of curiosity, what is your standard? Like down a goal late in a game, do you, what's your number for when you pull your goalie? Your time? Well, it, you know what's interesting? It had, there's, yeah, they're, they're, I'm not sure there is a number because a lot of times people forget is who's available on your bench. Right. Everybody wants to concentrate on, well, why doesn't he pull the goalie yet? It's at two minutes or it's at mm. a minute and a half or three minutes. Well, has anybody looked at the bench to see who's available, who's just come off, where's their heart rate at? Like, it, 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 that's what the, is, is first and foremost for me is do we have the right people available? And and then is it matching up with getting th- those people on the ice? Because sometimes you'll, you may delay it uh, a while right. to get, hey, I want these five guys or I want four out of these six guys or what, whatever it's going to be. So that's the first thing. But That's interesting. Yeah. You know, kind of anywhere. And, and the other thing, I think it depends on how you're playing at the time. Like if you're really coming and, you, man, you're, you're feeling like your guys are confident and they're going, you might yank them earlier. Mm-hmm. And then if maybe you're, hey, this might be just a w- one and done. We're going to get one shot at this. And that's it. You may play it. But I, I'm comfortable anywhere in there. Like yeah. anywhere from that three to two and a half. If we're down one, I we, we've done it earlier uh, with teams in the past too. Um, but yeah, it's the old, I'm, uh, I, I I'm not sure I can give you an exact number, but <laughs> sure. in, in, anywhere in there is good if you've got the right people available. Well, it's funny because it's not that long ago you didn't see anything beyond 90 seconds, right? And now I and I don't know, you know, 
maybe it is the analytics or whatever where it's it seems to have opened it up a little more but like i remember i don't know if it was that paper you're referring to but i showed it to a coach and and he said the same thing he's like okay like because it was like if you're down three it's you know with 17 minutes left or whatever some number where it just wouldn't happen he's like so are you gonna you're telling me you want me to roll my fourth line out like after my you know my star offensive players are all gassed and we put them out there for and then you're gonna is it really a competitive advantage to send your fourth line out exactly you know with the with with the goalie pulled like you don't think about usage necessarily but you know what you know what's crazy about those papers it starts making you think well i'm not going to say crazy things but almost interesting things like if you're let's say you're having a bad night and down uh four to one or five to one and it's you know there's uh let's say there's five minutes left to go in the second period well i start thinking well why wouldn't we maybe try to pull them then and maybe Absolutely. you get one, like, and maybe it gets you, like, like you start thinking, well, like crazy thoughts. <laughs> like, yeah, right, right. It, but it's funny, like, so, like, when that first, one of those papers came out, like, that was when Patrick Waugh was doing it whenever. And I remember I asked him in a press conference, I'm like, so do, are you familiar with this paper? And he's like, oh, no, I'm just, basically, he's just like, I'm Patrick Waugh, and I'm going to do this because I like to, he's, <laughs> I'm an aggressive coach. He had, he, he had nothing to do with the analytics, but I think. I think you're right. At least you know, it gives you that the the plants the seed a little bit. Yeah, and it's just not that. Like it, it's interesting what the the those the the those stats spit out sometimes, man. It, it yeah. I just think it really opens up your mind to to different thoughts and 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 so maybe you're not going to go with that exact one, but it might right. open up another thought to something else. Like. Mm. Do you get because I think of your open mind, or I mean, you've been to Sloan. You've I think you've been on the panel there. Like, do you get just inundated with those kind of like here's my you know from people that want to get their work out there? Uh, no, I don't. Okay, uh, but I, I do. You know, I'm in touch with you know certain people that I've got great relationships with that that are r- so kind to hey, uh, I this makes sense to me. Uh, mm-hmm. or I think this might resonate with you, or I think you should consider this. And it rips across my email or uh, a link right. on a text message and stuff. So I am, you know, really fortunate to have uh, good friends like that and people that I've got relationships with. And it's, and it's always interesting. It's yeah, that makes sense. Or geez, that doesn't make sense to me. And, and yeah, but I, it's one of those things it's, Hey, it, I love like, so you talk about the analytics of it and then I love going and looking way back too, like going the other way. And, mm. and this is the, 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 the great thing about, uh, uh, my boss here, like, you know, Bob Murray's got like, he's a thousand games as a player, a thousand right. games as a manager, right? Like that's unbelievable experience. And so as much as we get talking about analytics, like what, we'll go the other way too. Like I'll start talking about him, like when he was a young player and how players used to line up or what were the, you know, the concepts of the breakout. And and it's amazing how some things start coming back too, right? Like it's, it's this, it's not always something new. Sometimes it's something that's maybe been lost in the dust that you start looking to bring back too. So (laughs) the, the game's an interesting one. Well, that's the beauty of it, right? Like, and we've seen it over the last five or 10 years, there's, you can win a Stanley Cup any number of ways. Like, it's not like, it's not, you know, there's not one set way. It's just become, it's, it's finding an identity, having that culture that we talked about, and then mastering it, essentially. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's the challenge, right? This isn't all about move forward, move forward, move forward. Sometimes you move forward by moving backwards. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, like as a group or as, you mean? Well, no, uh, I, concept-wise. So like, yeah, oh, right, right. So it's like, hey, th- this isn't always, uh, the only way you're going to get better now is analytics, analytics, analytics. It's sometimes it's, hey, yeah, you know what? Analytics, yeah, that, that might work, that might work. But you, you might go uh, undust the old archives here, move way backwards on something that the, the teams were doing back in the seventies or right. something. And it's like, Hey man, you know what? That would work today. Like that, <laughs> let, let's go with that. So yeah. it, it's that, but, but again, it's that, 
look at everything, accept everything, and right. uh, uh, consider it all. So you mentioned cutting tape at 14. Was coaching something you always knew? I mean, even as, as you were pursuing an NHL career as a player, was coaching something that you always were packing away information about? Uh, well, I guess I was. I just wasn't doing it consciously. Okay. It was... You know, when you're a, I, I think when you're a counselor and an instructor, you're as much as you just want to be around uh, those people, and that's a fun job, and they actually give you a paycheck at the end of the week, and that's cool. You have lots of fun with your your buddies. You don't even know it, but you're you're teaching and you're coaching, and right. um, and, and then as you go along, uh, yeah, you're you're subconsciously packing things away and and that's where you know uh, obviously that's where i I, i've ended up but uh, i i can't say that even when i was playing did i ever think hey you know when when i'm finished i'm going to coach i was hey uh i'm just trying to worry about today and stay on this team for today i wasn't doing a whole lot of thinking about tomorrow or five years down the road and and it wasn't until the very end of my career where I was more of a mentor and almost, almost kind of like a playing assistant coach where, um, I, I just found great pride and, 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 uh, and a lot of uh, inspiration and, in, in helping the younger guys. And it was interesting yeah. because like you, you're still trying to stay relevant. You want another shot at the NHL, but man, like when, uh, like guys like, uh, my, my partner, the one year with the Chicago Wolves was Garnet Exelby. And when yeah. he got called up, I was so proud of him. Like I was yeah. so jacked. And I remember going and sitting alone and watching his first game. And man, like it was so awesome. And what was interesting is, is that hey, you're you're still in a battle for a job, but man, I was so pumped for him. And yeah. So I, I think that's where it uh, again. It's like, hey, man, like that might be that's such a great feeling that you can still have that great feeling by becoming a, an assistant coach or a coach. And, and, it, and if that's, what's going to help drive you every day, then that might not be a bad occupation. If, if you've, uh, if you're up for the challenge. Um, Garnet X, he's one of the great dudes of all time. I love that guy, by the way, just to complete the side. He's a yeah. great kid. He's a hard man, hardworking guy. Yeah. So was it, I, I'm assuming that, that time in Chicago, you reference. I mean, that's that's when you would have gotten close with Danny Snyder, right? I, I know you changed your number at, at one point. Yeah, just an unbelievable. Like you, you talk about having fun to come to the rink and uh, get to play. Like mm-hmm. that kid had so much fun, and he came in and worked so hard. Like he was a prankster. He always had a smile on his face. He played like a little rat like he was like and he loved every second of it right like yeah. he just an amazing kid and and you know what the team uh that that year like we we just got into the plot playoffs i think like a couple if i remember right like a couple weeks uh left to go in the season and then <clears throat> i still remember that first round we had to play this crazy round it, it was uh we had to play three games at home and it was about us two out of three, and we lost the first game. And I remember being in overtime in the the second game, and I was on the ice, and a puck went behind me and hit the post. On mm-hmm. the, like I remember, I still remember the sound like ding. And if that would have went in the net, we would have been done. Right. And we we ended up winning the game. But uh, I think Schneid's that that year uh, during that playoff, I think he either tied or, or set the record for most game winning goals. We ended up winning the championship. We won the Calder cup that year. And, uh, he was just, man, he, he was such a good player. He had such a great life. Not, I'm not even going to say career. That, that kid was going to have a wonderful, wonderful life. Yeah. And for him to be taken from his family and, and his friends that way, it was just tragic. Do you remember where you were when you found out about the accident, the car accident with Danny? Yeah, uh, uh, we we were in uh, in Vancouver, my wife and I, and I remember getting the call and 
knowing that he was in uh, really rough shape. But he, even though you know there's been a, a a bad car accident, like you and hey, he's in bad shape. Uh, I I think when you're your players, it's you always just think, well, you'll be fine. The docs will look after him, and everything's good, right? And right. but then when we found out how bad this was, it was uh, those were terrible days. I, I I think of him and I think of his his family often. Yeah, yeah. Um, do you keep in touch with the family? Uh, I haven't spoken to them in a while, but the, for yeah. a, a long time there, like, and not like a, you know, once or twice a year, there'd be a, a text message or or an email, and uh, I know they've done some great great things there for uh, charity wise over the years, and and uh, but just a a family that has gone through so much and, and done their absolute best to uh, have a positive effect in others uh, on Danny's behalf. Yeah, no, it's great. I, the, the arena that they've put in the hometown there, like it's, it's awesome what they've kind of continued that legacy. Um, it's pretty amazing. Yeah. Um, so I, to, to wrap up, I wanted to, and there's no really good like segue here, so I'm just going to plow through, but, um, I mean, you, you're a guy that's done, what, what is the, like you, you've done like those endurance races, right? Like the, it's the Leadville 100. Is that right? Is that what it's called? Yeah. I, I've been there. I, I just, uh, and it was never my goal, uh, okay. to do it, but it went, you know, you know, what's interesting. It is a great way to wrap up because, uh, I went to Leadville the first time. It's a, it's a, like a 103 mile race. Uh, at over 10,000 feet altitude up in the, the Rocky Mountains in Leadville, Colorado. I okay. went there as a, uh, more as a, as a challenge. Uh, a, a cyclist guy that I'd gotten to know was going, oh, you guys hockey guys think you're so tough. And I'm like, well, you cyclists are uh, puny and weak. And uh, so he's like, well, if you think you're so tough, why don't you come to Leadville? And so I was like, all right, I'll come there. And yeah, and he kicked the crap out of me uh, during <laughs> yeah. the race, and that but that race kicked the crap out of me too. But I I found Leadville, found the race, just everything from hard to you want to quit at least fifty times during the 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 race to the mm-hmm. most inspiring day I've ever had. And so what, what turned into a, a one-off turned into a, a craving. Uh, mm. I, I'm going to go back next year. And then during the race and when you finish, it's like, I am never, ever coming here again. I hate yep. this place. I'm not, I'm not doing it. And then, oh, my God, I love that place. I want to go back again. I want to feel the pain. Uh, I want to be inspired by the others. Like It, it just turned into this thing. And, uh, and now 10 years later, uh, I've done it 10 years in a row. And, uh, just, a a real, you know, you know what, it's one of those things and it it goes back almost to a culturally thing. I I can't explain to you what it means unless you go do it. And like people (laughs) that have done it, or you run into somebody and they're like, Hey, uh, you've done Leadville 100. And I said, yeah, I did it last year. And then right away you're connected. Like you understand it and you get it. And, uh, but just, a a wonderful place. A uh, great place, even if you don't want to go ride your bike, just a really cool place to go visit. And uh, yeah, uh, a lot of pain and suffering, but uh, a whole lot of uh, inspiration. What did you learn about? Like, I think that's so. It's it's the mental toughness. It's plowing through. Like, what did you learn about yourself and kind of going through that process? Yeah, like zero. There, like I can't believe how many limits we put on ourselves. Mm. I can't do this. I can't do this. That's too hard. I don't have yeah. enough time. Like all man, we are the kings of excuses, or at least I know I I, I was. And it it really redefined uh, committing to something, getting it done, not quitting. You've always got another pedal stroke in you. You've always got another rep in you. Like it, all all those things that. We know, but we we choose not to acknowledge, or we or we choose not to plow through, and right. and, and now it, it, it's interesting too. Like 
you know, for me personally, it's, uh, I haven't had a year there and, and it's funny, I'm not embarrassed to say I have not had a year there where, where either during that race or after it, that I haven't just had this guttural cleansing cry and it's, you're kind of stripped emotionally. You're, you're certainly stripped physically. And then you see things along the way, whether it's, you know, you're, you're, you're riding with, uh, a challenged athlete who's got a prosthetic on his leg or, and, and he's plowing through it or like you, there, there's something that, that touches you every time there, whatever it is. And it's just this, it, it's turned into uh, my, my wife finger. It's a, just says it's your annual cleansing day. That, that's what it is. And it's, <laughs> right. it's interesting the date because it's the second Saturday in August. After that, you come out of that, you're, you're into coaches meetings and the season starts. Right. Like it's, it, it's, uh, it, it's amazing that, um, Leadville found me and yeah. it, it, it's, uh, with the date it's on, it, it's just incredible how that's all lined up. That's awesome. All right. The way I like to close these, if, if I feel like this uh, a person can participate and do this well, and I think you can, is to get the best book they've read in the last year. And I know, and having talked to some of your players, you, you do recommend to, the, to them, you know, books that you think they would like. So what is, uh, what is your best book in the last year that you recommend? Man, I've read some good ones. You know what the one I love? And it's because he's fresh in my head right now because he just did something like so much of who he is is uh that david goggins uh, uh i believe the uh the name of his book is can't hurt me yeah and it's something that i think resonates with with us all but like david goggins is like a he he's like a unicorn when it comes to mental toughness and and his story and what he's uh, done through his uh, military career, and now what he does now. Um, if you want to really challenge yourself on how you don't have time to do this, or right. all those things I was saying before, read David Goggins' book, or, or follow him on uh, uh, Instagram. There, the, yeah. the the the. I'll tell you what. There's another guy that I, I really like and and i've read a few of his books his name's uh jocko wilnick um mm. former navy seal uh you know one of his books is uh the discipline equals freedom like and the other thing about jocko he if you've got kids he's got unbelievable he's got i think he's got three unbelievable kids books and it, really? and, and jocko also has his adult podcast and he has a kids podcast. Like my, my kids every night, they're like, daddy, can I get a Jocko tonight? And I think it's That's interesting because if, if you look up Jocko, he's not a friendly looking guy, man, but his kids <laughs> podcasts are, are awesome. That's great. We got a so, podcast re- recommendation too in there. That's great. Well, Dallas, this has been awesome. Thank you so much for, for get, getting us in during a busy time. It was, it was a pleasure. Well, I appreciate it. And, uh, I know you guys work hard at it. Just, all we do now is we just keep grinding, right? Keep grinding. That's right. All right. Appreciate it, man. Take care. All right. Thank you. I want to thank Dallas Akins for taking the time to have the conversation. It was great and insightful and a lot of fun to do. Thanks to the Anaheim Ducks for sticking with us. It was a lot of back and forth to squeeze that in during a very busy time in the schedule. So thanks to Alex and everybody at the Ducks for making that happen. Uh, um, A couple of things before we wrap up. In February, I'm going to be moderating a panel at the Hockey Analytics Conference hosted by the Columbus Blue Jackets in Columbus. And there is a campaign going on or a group called the Columbus Hockey Analytics Conference Diversity Initiative. Um, It's a crowdfunded campaign to help people from underrepresented communities attend the Columbus Conference. Um, I think this is an important thing, and I just wanted to give it a little plug here. People interested in donating or requesting tickets can go to Hockey Crafts or contact at P. Flynn Hockey on Twitter um, to apply. The deadline is November 10th at midnight. They just want to help make sure that Every group is represented in the in this conference, um, and everyone has a chance to listen in and learn from what should be a, a fascinating conference put on by the Columbus Blue Jackets. So I'm excited to be a part of that on the panel, and I'm happy to help plug the 
crowdfunded campaign. So definitely check that out. Also, I just wanted to give a thank you to TriBirdie, who gave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. And um, we're trying to close in or get to 500 ratings on Apple Podcasts because... I don't know. It's just I saw it was it was in four nineties. I thought that would be a good target. So if you have a second, go give it a review. That would be awesome. And I want to thank Tri Birdie for this one. That that reads: It's not just about the hockey. A very enjoyable, entertaining, and oftentimes educational way to occupy my mind while I'm making dinner. Thanks, Craig, for the great interviews, and thank you for the review. So if you have a second um, and you haven't given the full sixty review, wherever it is you listen to podcasts, I would greatly appreciate it. Uh, And that is it. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Thanks again to the Anaheim Ducks and Dallas Aikens for joining the pod. And have a great week.